0: Hello, this is the Deceptively Clever Podcast. I'm Justin, we're about to call John and talk about a less than excellent cure for influenza. Also, a cat steals a shoe. As usual, there are two true statements and a complete lie. It's a low energy episode, but I think the object holds up. So sit back, relax, do some knitting or something.
1: paperwork out of the way. Do you have any anecdotes? Um, a cat has stolen my shoe. I'm sorry, a
0: cat stolen your shoe?
1: Yeah. Seems I, unlikely. Uh, <laughs> I had a pair of shoes that uh, too far I needed to get rid of. But I was wearing them the other day and they got absolutely soaked. So I left them on uh, Morgan's patio. And uh, they've obviously been attacked during the night. Because... Something's chewed it's laced, the laces off one of them. And then um, I've looked out, and one of them's in the middle of the patio, and the other one is on the next door neighbours' patio, which I can't get to, so uh, just sort of. Accepting How would their cat fate have got now.
0: it to next door's patio?
1: How would it have done that? It's, I'm on the ground floor, so the patio is like. They're connected. Like through a gate? Yeah, through like a fence. It hasn't like leaped over a, a six foot gap or so it's dragged it yeah. under, but you can't climb over the fence? Well, I don't really want to. And it's like, <laughs> it's like we can see it, but it's hidden behind like a piece of wood, so I'm like, they're not going to know it's there.
0: <laughs> right, because I was going to say, don't you feel some duty to get your old shoes off their patio? But they, can, they don't
1: know it's there. I feel like it would be too awkward now, and I'm like, I've just sort of accepted its fate.
0: Now that I, I know figure... that they don't... They don't know it's there. I also would not want the social interaction of dealing with this, so I would just leave it. Or I would I, devise a fishing line set up to get it back.
1: And they're like huge patios, so I'd feel really weird like jumping over so in, <laughs> into their patio. Yeah, I don't really want to. I think either the cat will keep taking it, or uh, I don't know, or I'll get it back. But um...
0: I'll be honest, I think the cat's had its fun, and the cat's not coming back for it, but... I mean, it's interesting. You can check on it every now and then, see if it's still there. Yeah. It's kind of like a house plant you don't have to water. It's a minor point of interest. The only, the only people that this reflects poorly on are the British, but I think that was pretty well established already. Ah, that's um, fine. Is your search engine ready?
1: It is ready.
0: Okay, we're looking for the carbolic smoke ball.
1: Is that C-A-R-B-O-I-L-I-C?
0: Yes. I kept typing it with double L, so you're doing better than me already. Smoke ball.
1: Carbolic smoke
0: ball. Don't scroll too far because stuff comes up. But have a little describe of what you see.
1: I'm seeing lots of adverts. Is that right?
0: Primarily an advert, yep.
1: It looks like an old-timey newspaper advert. I'm thinking maybe Victorian period or something.
0: Spot on, nailed it. If you scroll a little bit, do you see a little brown ball-looking thing?
1: I do. Is that what I'm looking for?
0: Well, that's the actual thing, but the, adverter- the advertisement is quite important as well. So what we've got here is the Carbolic Smoke Ball, released by the Carbolic Smoke Ball Company in 1891, and it was released as a preventative treatment for influenza. It was released the year after the official end of the flu pandemic of 18, nine, 1889 to 1890, which, just as an aside, killed a million people. Um, yep. So it's a little this- rubber ball. It has a tube that attaches at the top, which is not in the photo. Turns out not a lot of photos of things survive after the 1890s. Yep. But you basically stick the tube up your nose, you oh, squeeze the little rubber ball, and it expels vapour from carbolic acid inside the ball into your nose, which might not sound like a great idea, but what that will do, the advertisement promises, and I can assure you, is cause a severely runny nose, which magically flushes the virus out. And we all know that's exactly how viruses work.
1: And does it tell you what it's running with? Because it sounds like it's just going to be blood flowing from your nose.
0: Mm, Yeah. Yeah, everything that's in there, everything. Some of your health might come out with it too. So these guys have come up with it, pretty happy with it. They've basically solved influenza for all people forever. They're going to be hailed as the greatest company on earth. So they advertise £100 to anyone who uses the carbolic smoke ball three times a day for two weeks and then catches influenza. £100 then is equivalent to more than £11,000 now. For Australians, that's more than $20,000. All you had to do was catch a lethal pandemic flu after using their little smoke ball.
1: After using their acid
0: ball. Their literal acid ball. And I love those, um, one of the bits of advertising copy, (laughs) read, one ball would last an entire family several months, making it the cheapest remedy. So I love, and also you get free postage.
1: So I love that.
0: Oh, I'm getting it.
1: Free postage.
0: Their solution to a flu pandemic was to share a tube up the nose.
1: Yeah, there is a handy picture of a kid in one
0: of the adverts using it, so... Kid friendly as yeah, well. Yeah, if it's safe for the kid in the picture, it's safe for your family. Um, okay, well, I think it's about time we get to the first real sign of trouble for the Carbolic smoke ball Company.
1: <laughs> is that the <your> first <laughs> <A
0: use? laughs> Yeah. Mrs. Uh, Louisa Elizabeth Carlyle, she saw the ad... She's like, excellent, I do not want to catch influenza, I would like to stay alive. Did she you, bought how, a ball.
1: Wait, did you say Carlyle? Yeah.
0: C-A-R-L-I-L-L. No E. Ah. Which made me suspicious that it's not Carlisle. Should we go with Carlisle? I
1: don't know, I'll leave it up to you as the... Let's go Carlyle. Carlisle,
0: well. I don't think, it's a name I'm much more familiar with. She buys it, she uses it for two months, then she catches influenza. Oh no, big problem. What did she do next? Well, she sued them. but That was after she wrote three letters, and upon the third letter, the company sent her a letter back that said they were very confident in their smoke ball, so she would need to come into the office and use the ball in front of their secretary every day. So their solution to somebody catching the virus was to come into their offices and demonstrate their ability to use the ball correctly. She wasn't really having a bar of that, and probably along with the consultation of her husband, who was a solicitor, Went off to court. Uh, she sued them for the £100. I think that's as many facts as we probably should start with. Mm. And we'll get into the statements unless you have questions first.
1: I don't think so. I think I'm... Uh, I suppose I'm wondering if this will come into it, but like how popular were these? Do you know?
0: Uh, doesn't really come into it. It's very popular.
1: Very popular.
0: Uh, popular. I think at some point they claimed... some point like around... Now, where we're talking about in the story, they sold like
1: 10,000. But that's 10,000 families, so.
0: That's <laughs> yeah, infinite amount All, of people. All share. They of were the refillable guy. as well, so you only have to sell them once, but then they could keep selling the acid. Really, this is just a game to get people hooked on acid. <laughs> I'm
1: not sure how long you can be hooked on acid for before. Well, especially if you squirt it up your nose like that, but there you right, before go. Before death? <laughs> okay, um... <laughs> well,
0: because I've thrown this together quite late, I really had a bit of fun with the statements and I don't think you'll have too much of a hard time figuring out which one's, uh, which one's real. But um, firstly, um, here's a little one for the law students. Much of the case depended on whether this advertisement could legally be, be considered mere puffery.
1: Mere puffery?
0: Puffery. They argued that the, they used the, the legal term puffery in this case and I can only imagine they tried to do it seriously. ...despite the fact they were talking about a ball that literally emits puffs.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's... ...needs to sort of differentiate the uh, language there, I think. Yeah,
0: we'll get into that when we're, when we're talking about it... ...because um, pufferies are things studied pretty comprehensively in various law subjects. But, statement number two. The company did end up having to pay the $100 to the woman... After the judges decided that the advertisement constituted a binding contract. Okay. Statement number three. The company eventually went bankrupt when it became clear that carbolic acid causes chemical burns. And I've then put in brackets and therefore should not go into your nose. Close bracket.
1: Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Whatever happens here today, folks, I think we should all agree that carbolic acid is not a thing that should go into your body, certainly not through a nasal canal.
1: Don't use it for any remedies. If you're thinking about
0: curing corona with it, don't. Yeah.
1: Very appropriate uh, object.
0: Yeah, I didn't actually know it was from the influenza pandemic. I somehow just, it struck me from law school that this was a thing I'd learned about and... um, then I looked, realised it was from a flu pandemic, and I'm like, well, I don't really want to go topical, but we're here now.
1: Well, it's an interesting object, definitely, and uh, I definitely think it hones in on the uh, period of the sort of rush to innovate, but not necessarily think about things.
0: Yeah, or we'll see whether they work.
1: Yeah, or <laughs> hope they work.
0: At no point that, that I can remember did the case actually turn on whether the thing worked or not.
1: Were they expensive? Were they cheap?
0: No, it was ten some little money things. I don't know how expensive it was. Cause they it was were offering ten, £100 and it was ten, ten like, smaller units. <laughs> yeah, it was ten monies that are less than a pound and you could get a refilled for five monies that were less
1: than a pound. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's all the context I need. Right. You're so welcome. statement one, they tried to say that it was just puffery.
0: Yeah, so puffery in advertising or in the legal realm of advertising is when you say something that's intentionally inflated or exaggerated and no one actually thinks you're being serious. So the most famous one recently is Pepsi. They ran that campaign where you collected points, I don't know, if you got them from bottles, and you could um, claim sunglasses and shirts. And in the end of the advertisement, they put... The big um, fighter jets that American armies, American Air Force were using at the time, and it had like so many million points. (laughs) And somebody worked out that it was cheaper to buy the plane by buying Pepsi bottles. So they just bought them and then took Pepsi to court to say, You've advertised on television that I could get this fighter jet for X millions of (laughs) things. And Pepsi were like, No, no, it's called puffery. It's where you use a joke or something in advertising to claim. It's like when a deodorant brand advertises that if you use a deodorant, you'll um, get to be a chauvinistic misogynist and (laughs) lots of women. And then they would say, no, no, it's just puffery. It's not actually going to work. So, yeah, the the actual case here was in court. They were arguing about it between uh, defendants, plaintiffs and judges over the term puffery. I just can't imagine they weren't snickering. At the fact that they were talking about puffs of vapour. Yeah. (laughs) I just can't accept that that wasn't what they were talking about.
1: Oh, it's just, yeah. I know, ridiculous, isn't it? I guess like there's no other way to do it. If that's the word, that's the word. Whereas, like, surely that just must have... There must have been so many cases of that. Because I feel like there was... This advert sounds ridiculous. I'm, like, just sitting in front of this advert now and, like, telling you it's all going to cure all these stuff. I feel like there would have been thousands of cases of puffery in the, the victorian period well the problem is the people that were arguing
0: that it was just puffery it was obviously the defendant who did not want to pay the money yeah but that would they would then have to admit that they didn't think their thing was as effective as they claimed they're obviously they're only saying the puffery bit was the hundred pounds they're saying that the cures are all fine they just meant we obviously don't mean we're going to pay someone 100 pounds who tries yeah. this out like surely someone didn't honestly expect they would get paid a hundred dollars if they caught the flu after using something that was designed to stop them catching the flu. That's just
1: ridiculous. It's um, also yeah. I mean they've set themselves up for failure there really because how are they going to possibly tell anyone's used it and then got it? I mean like yeah. If I saw that I and don't I, know. I contracted it. You'd be like I'm gonna go tell them I got it. I
0: don't know whether they argued this, but what they should have argued was that. The person has to prove that they've used it that same way three times a day for two weeks. Yeah. But I don't. I. From that wasn't that didn't come up in my research today. They didn't dispute whether she'd used it correctly.
1: That's where I'd go. <laughs> it seems like the best place, doesn't it? Yeah, I'd start with that. Did she actually use it in front of them then, like eventually, or did she just sue them immediately?
0: Well, the. The summary of the case facts state that she just sued them. She just sued them. They were just refusing to pay her. I don't think it mattered what she did.
1: Yeah.
0: And her husband as a solicitor is probably like, now's the time to just put the lawsuit in. Like, we're not messing around with these people anymore.
1: I wonder how devastating that for them giving £100 would be because it must be pretty bad. Because if they were selling a lot of them.
0: I reckon there's two two ways to look at that. You would invest a lot of money in not losing the first court case, because if you did lose the first court case, you'd be in a problem. Like you'd have a big problem on your hands. Yeah. Then you have to pay everyone. Um, and the other side is for a rich company, it probably wasn't that hard to fund a lawsuit. Usually, big companies are happy to go to court because the little guy can't afford it. Yeah. So they just like, even if they know they're going to lose, they just drag it on and on and on. Um, so maybe the husband, as a solicitor, had like enough contacts to be able to just keep the court case going long enough. I don't know. To be honest, I could never really figure out how any of these court cases happened because the people who had money had so much more money. Hmm. I,
1: th- I, like, I think we've covered that statement and the fact that the funniest part is that it was puffery, so there you go.
0: Yeah, I just wanted to mention it.
1: <laughs> what was statement two?
0: Um, statement two was that the judgement well, the result of the judgment was that the company did have to pay the £100 specifically because that advertisement constitutes a binding contract.
1: I'd say they had to, yeah. I'm the judge now and I'm thinking, yeah. Well,
0: the problem is, like, normally a contract has... Like, if you and I were going to have a contract, the law is that you have to give me something and I have to give you something. It's called consideration. And there's a, like doctrine of the peppercorn where like it can be something as invaluable as a peppercorn but there must be exchange so the problem with this one is you put an ad out that says if you do this you get this yeah what's what does the woman provide what is her consideration that she's giving and so it's called a unilateral contract it's be the same if i said or the classic one i guess is a lost pet if you put a poster of your cat that's lost up and say rewards a hundred dollars if somebody does the action which is bringing the cat back that's what creates the contract because they've done the thing that you asked. But it's an offer to anyone, so then it's like you can't stop. Once you put that unilateral contract offer out, you can't stop anyone else from completing it because once they've done it, that's how you find out about it. You've then got a contract, which this this case is at the cornerstone of that idea. And it was actually quite radical to have a contract where you don't know who the other person is until the contract is created.
1: Okay, I see. So it was... It was interesting the fact that they didn't know that it was going to be her who claimed the money. It was just that they were offering it and they were saying we're making this contract with everybody and it's just going to take the first person. Is that what you mean?
0: Yeah, and there's almost like a public policy reason to not have this be a contract because they could be like, we can't possibly have a business where we don't know how many contracts we're currently entering into. Like, that's a frightening... That's a frightening doctrine to create the idea that you can have a contract once you put it out there you have a contract with everyone who accepts your terms
1: so based on your knowledge of the law and all this stuff does this sound like like that's fair enough that that was decided Um,
0: now in modern times we know that unilateral contracts aren't that big of a deal but I reckon if I was a law student then I would have been like this is a frightening concept to enter into It's the kind of thing where conservatives would be scared about it. Conservative politicians would tell you how dangerous this kind of thing is and no one will ever be able to advertise anything like this again because everyone will accept it. They had people... The argument was there'll be millions of people going out and buying the ball and then trying to catch the flu just to get the £100. Like, you can't possibly call this a contract.
1: So, you learned about this at university, did you?
0: Well, I know that, like... I don't know if you can imagine, but law, law lectures are not very interesting. So yeah. things like Jeremy Bentham, body in a box, and the smoke ball get brought up at every possible opportunity. So yeah. I know this definitely got mentioned in contract law. and um,
1: As an example of one where people had to pay out on a unilateral contract.
0: I don't even think they told us what happened. I think they just wanted to talk about the smoke ball. I genuinely don't even think we talked about much but it's also now we do like misleading there's a whole bunch more um legislate or legal regulations of advertising so we'd call it misleading deceptive conduct in australia now to advertise that you can fix the flu with acid um this is very interesting to pay them you'd have to pay the money for some other reason and i looking back at the facts now i'm like obviously we don't know whether this specific one is true that that's why the person the reason the person got it was because of a binding contract but that's what they argued that's what the woman argued that was her main point this is a contract and so it would have been taught to us as this was the first time someone argued that an advertisement could be a a contract and you'll have things like this where the judges might say no but then in 200 years a judge says yes and they cite other things other judgments like there's not like the law isn't they don't print out what the rules are you have to read a hundred pages written by a judge, figure out what they meant, that's what the law becomes. Yeah. So they might reference 400 other judgments in that. Um, I honestly think this one's a lot more famous because of the smoke ball <laughs> rather than what they yeah. <laughs> actually came up with. <laughs> like, it, it's, yeah, so ridiculous. But yeah, definitely learned about it more than three times over five years of law
1: school. It's just a nice. It's a nice mix because it's like something that is just so far-fetched and ridiculous, but then has this significant sort of impact on law as like an example of it and i like that
0: the other one which i don't know if there'll be an object i can ever use but there was a court case where the first time someone had to argue that their business could own property and think about how different our entire society is on a global scale because a few judges in england allowed a company to own property yeah then there had to be a person And the person could not hide behind their company's limited liability. Their personal assets had to be on the line because a company couldn't own property. Now we allow companies to own property and it's almost unfettered and unlimited.
1: Yeah. It's like these decisions in one courtroom, like, change the whole nature of the game.
0: Yeah, and this stuff's all still binding on Australia and I presume Canada even though we are not... Your highest court is no longer our highest court. There is no yeah. actual link between English law anymore. But there is before we decided to do that. So all of these cases are still binding on Australia unless an Australian judge says otherwise. Um, which is kind of odd,
1: but that's just how how our systems are. So, statement three. the They went bankrupt because... Everyone realized they were spraying acid up their nose. Yeah, it turns out it doesn't really matter what. It doesn't matter whether
0: you have many people catching the flu, if you're burning the inside of their noses, you're gonna come to you're gonna come to a, come to a, a business issue, and um, this was not the first lawsuit, and uh, no, sorry, it was their first. It definitely was not their last. Um, it, the business did not last very long.
1: I can imagine. Especially if they had to yeah. pay out £100 as well. Yeah. The,
0: the, the person ran away. The owner. The owner. Um, he disappeared.
1: In a puff of smoke. <laughs> In a puff
0: of smoke. <laughs> <laughs> In a puff of smoke. And pretty good advertising. But, uh, yeah, certainly not ethical advertising. Yeah, uh, it was actually quite interesting. At the time, the... La- the I don't know what they called... Pharmaceutical Society of Great Britain were having constant battles trying to get rid of um, quack remedies like this one. So they're simultaneously arguing to have carbolic acid put on a poison register so that people can't sell it. They were actually trying to do that ten years before this got released. Oh Jesus! Um, and so yeah, they're I imagine they're like they're quite annoyed with this, but also having a company burn the nostrils of thirty thousand people is good <laughs> good for business for the lobbyists. <laughs>
1: Yeah, they're like, finally, let's get rid of this. Yeah, Meanwhile, and let's get rid of this. Like... And everything else like it. Jeez, it's just amazing that they thought this was going to work. Ugh.
0: There you go. Well, so they didn't know what caused influenza at the, at yet at that point. Like, they had the whole pandemic before they really figured out the virus yeah. bit, I, which I didn't know until I was looking at this. Um, but yeah, so some of the things they came up with to fix it, like I c- you can see the logic, they found an acid that makes your nose run heavily, and a million people are dying. In less than two years, so you squirt some smoke, some smoke up your nose, and they were doing some other pretty stupid stuff, like cocaine was done for fun. Um, oh yeah, definitely. S- snuffing, snuff boxes were held at the doors of Parliament for parliamentarians to take on the way in. Your nose wasn't in great shape. I don't know how much some carbolic acid
1: burning would have changed that. I'm wondering if they're just thinking, like, it really knows, and maybe a bit of pain is, like, it feels like it's expelling whatever's inside you.
0: Yeah, it feels like it works because it hurts and burns.
1: Yeah. But it's just, it hurts and burns because you're spraying acid up your nose. Yeah. That's insane. Well, there you go. I'm glad they went bankrupt. The problem with you, I'm, like, I'm sort of... Have you got anything else to say on that statement, actually? Uh, no. The problem now is that, which I think is quite common with your statements, is that they I feel like they all interlink and...
0: I very honestly have, and I still think it's possible, like I felt like I was writing those statements I write where if one is true, two can't be true.
1: Yeah, because now if I'm thinking two, like, if, if they yeah. paid £100, surely they went bankrupt because that's... ridiculous amount of money therefore the first one can't be wrong but then you could quite easily say they that was their defense they still had to pay and that and they just carried on going so it's like it yeah these are i think what i've this is tricky to. kind of what i've
0: done is they're all technicalities yeah like the case obviously You know, it could be that I just knew about the word puffery, had nothing to do with it. Second one, it could be that the judges decided something else based on something that had nothing to do with contract law. And the third one, it could be that they either didn't go bankrupt or went bankrupt for a different reason.
1: Yeah. uh... Each
0: one of them has a technical capacity to both the essence of the statement be true and that the thing still happened, but not because of that reason, which is kind of unfair on you, but also the speed with which I threw this together. (laughs)
1: It does not indicate thoroughness and fairness <laughs> towards you which is like the carbolic smoke ball um yeah i i can run you through what i'm thinking but i haven't made my decision yet okay good i think that they i think statement two is probably true and that they had to pay based on the fact that you've we we're talking about unilateral contracts and things and it's I think it does sound like, because it sounds like this is quite an influential case, almost said influenza case, um, which suggests to me that there is some sort of nuance to the trial and that nuance could be unilateral contract. We say this, you come to us, we have to pay. I think that all sounds quite like understandable. But then I'm not sure if you've brought up this case because you want to talk about puffery or if you've just realised that Puffery is a funny word that corresponds with (laughs) this trial. I suppose I'd need to know when Puffery became... when Puffery started. Because has that always been around? The
0: advertising concept of Puffery, or the legal concept of Puffery. Um, Yeah, I don't know.
1: Because I'm starting to think that maybe that came later because i tend to think about the victorian period and all this stuff as well with i don't not not the first thing i think of but like you have all these ridiculous adverts that claim to do ridiculous. Things. and i think about like the wild west and you've got like snake oil being sold saying it's gonna do all these ridiculous things and whether or not it's true yeah. or not they just sort of say it can and then they will yep so I tend to, I'm sort of, I'm now just like waffling. I
0: genuinely, like on the second one, Yeah, absolutely irrespective of anything you decide to go with here, I really don't think this would be discussed in unilateral contract law classes if it didn't have a smoke ball that you shot acid up your nose with. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like the history of unilateral contracts is wide enough that I, like, I really just think law professors like talking about it. Fair enough. Well, then They'll save it for like halfway through the lecture when everyone's asleep and they're like, now, what do you reckon this is for?
1: <laughs> but then still... The
0: first be... one, Puffery. I'd like... I can't remember... I don't... I don't have a lot on Puffery other than I just... It's so distinct because it's called Puffery. Yeah. And I can't remember... I don't think it came into... Because I studied um, law and marketing. I don't think it was ever mentioned in marketing classes. <laughs> I think it was just the law classes. <laughs> <laughs> even though it's specifically related to advertising. Yeah. Um, so, I really don't know the history of puffery. Maybe that'll be my homework.
1: I think I'm thinking that two is true, mm-hmm. which therefore makes three more likely, which then sort of confirms my suspicions that maybe one is false anyway, if that makes okay. sense. I like... Because I don't think
0: we've ever had one where it's like, if this is true... Yeah, no, I guess we have. If this is true,
1: that makes that one true. So I think there, there is a nice interplay between them, but like maybe something I quite like that. So I I mean I could quite easily say I think two is true, therefore three is more likely to be true, and I think one is false, and you can just say, Great, but one's one's true. <laughs> I'm gonna go for Well I could do that. I'm gonna go for could do that. I'm gonna go for one is a lie. You're locking it in. I am locking it in. Mm. Well, you're wrong. <laughs> um. <laughs> is three is wrong. three
0: Three not not true. It gets so much worse than this, John. Oh, do you know what? I almost thought so that. I
1: almost thought that surely they recovered and were fine and carried on doing terrible, terrible things. Oh.
0: They were not fine. It didn't. But here's here's what happened. You get sued for your hundred pounds. Yep. And what you're worried is that that's going to open a floodgate of people trying to sue you for your £100. So, here's what the guy here's what the guy did. <laughs> he had currently owned the company in his own name, and he went, nope. He started a separate company which had limited liability, which meant the company could be sued, but they couldn't get his personal wealth in a suit. He then ran an advertising campaign that said, we've sold 10,000 of these, and only three people have claimed the £100.00 so I'm going to double it. I'm going to make it £200. And he continued aggressively advertising it. The company only failed when he left and other people managed it, and they stopped advertising so aggressively. The thing just fell off into obscurity because it didn't work.
1: That's so weird.
0: It's not good.
1: No, it's it's not not good good at all. No. I can't actually see one that says 200 reward now now that I'm looking, (laughs) but... So, I meant to
0: mention to you, that, yeah, the sum for 200, whatever. Um, the the last two notes I have on this, the guy's lawyer became... No, the, not, the, the company's lawyer, the, the guy, the owner, became prime minister, which was H.H. Aquith or Asquith. I'm not Asquith, sure how yeah. you guys pronounce it. Um, Australia has some of that too where like a lawyer who represents terrible companies becomes a politician and it's like, well, that's a bit awkward, isn't it?
1: some nice connections there, definitely.
0: So we we had one. She was our foreign minister for ages. She represented a company that made asbestos. Oh, great. And they knew about cancer way before they did anything. And then they tried to move all their money away to a different company and create up a little pension fund for people who got cancer. But it was nowhere near enough. She was their main lawyer. Then she became a politician and our foreign minister. And that was always a little bit awkward, I thought. Um, yeah, sounds a little bit awkward. In Australia, you're not allowed to turn... You work for who you work for. You can't turn cases down. I don't know what her actual... I don't know who she worked for, what her job was, but um, I always think of that when these sort of things come up. Louisa Carlyle, the person who sued them, lived to 96, oh, wow. which was a pretty good effort. She died, her doctor said, mostly of old age and Influenza.
1: than Louisa yeah. I thought
0: that wrapped it up nicely oh it meant over that or it's wrong and someone made that up on the internet but... <laughs> yeah it's become true now that you've said it John who would put something on the internet that might not be true